Dissecting Dexter is brought to you by Audible.com. For your free audiobook download and free trial, go to www.audibletrial.com slash Dexter. Hi everyone and welcome to a very special edition of Dissecting Dexter. I'm Gareth Watkins and I'm thrilled to present a conversation I had with actor Josh Cook, who we all know better as Lewis Green, everybody's favourite computer whiz on Dexter, who emerged as one of the most intriguing aspects of season six and his character is going to appear in season seven as well. So I'm looking forward to seeing what happens to his character and where his storyline goes. It was certainly one of the more fascinating aspects for me and, and I know from your feedback that his storyline captured your imaginations as well. Josh was very kind to come on the show and was very generous with his time. I say very because by the end of the conversation he was practically rushing out of the door uh, to head to the theatre. He's working in New York at the moment on stage in a play called The Common Pursuit. And Josh, if you're listening, I must apologise because I didn't realise by the end there quite how pressed for time you were. Uh, so thanks very much again for giving up your time. And thanks also to Calvin Walker from Untitled Entertainment for helping set this conversation up. I really appreciate it. So before we get into the conversation, a quick spoiler warning Obviously, Dissecting Dexter was originally a rewatch podcast, so I appreciate that some listeners will not be up to date with Dexter up to the end of season six. So this conversation comes with a warning. Josh first appeared in the show in season six, so naturally we're going to be talking about what goes on in season six. And, uh, and, and we touch on previous seasons a little bit as well. So if you're not up to date, then exercise caution here <laughs> and take heed of a spoiler warning i certainly did not ask josh for any spoilers for season seven i asked him to speculate a little bit um trying to recall back to how he felt at the end of season six um but obviously he wasn't in any position to to give away spoilers himself so um that all worked out pretty well so don't worry about being spoiled for season seven and finally, the usual housekeeping. Feedback for the show is very welcome. We have listener lines in the US. The number is 646-222-6122. And in the UK, the number is 0844-579-6949. And with the UK line, you enter mailbox ID 08320 when the voice prompts you. You can also contact me on Twitter. It's at DissectDexter. Or email, it's dissectingdexter at gmail.com. And there's the Facebook page. Jump onto Facebook, search for Dissecting Dexter, and you'll find it. And also, if you feel like supporting the podcast in a small way, you could do so through our sponsor, Audible. For your free audiobook download and free 30-day trial, go to www.audibletrial.com slash Dexter, and you can support the podcast. Hey, and also if you fancy, there's iTunes if you want to leave a review. And, you know, maybe a five-star rating, that'll be fantastic. <laughs> right, I shall keep you no longer, and we'll get stuck into the conversation with Josh Cook. So I hope you guys enjoy it, and I look forward to hearing your feedback. 
Hi, Gareth. Hi, Josh. How are you doing? I'm well, sir. How are you? Good. I'm very well, thank you. Thank, thank you ever so much for agreeing to come on and chat to me. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's, uh, it's my pleasure. You know, as I'm sure you well know, <laughs> because of the nature of the show, I'm not sure how much I could really chat about or be helpful or <laughs> for, but uh, <laughs> glad to try. <laughs> no, that's 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 fine, Josh. Um, I'm sure we'll be able to chat about last season. Um, I have a few questions, and I have some listener questions as well. And uh, uh, the podcast is spoiler-free, so uh, I certainly won't be um, pressing you for any um, big scoop for next season. <laughs> um, personally, I, I don't want to know. <laughs> I like yeah, to be, well, exactly. I like to be surprised. Do, do you listen to podcasts much yourself? I actually... Uh I don't. I never have. I'm one of those people. I'm a, very much actually. Lewis is, I think, the second character I played that's some kind of a computer whiz, and yet I, without my wife, could barely turn on a computer. I think <laughs> <laughs> I, I am not just technologically advanced there, but um, but uh, it's one of those things that uh, I, I've heard uh, a couple here and there, but I don't listen um, regularly to, to any. Okay. Okay, well, as, as I say, Josh, thanks ever so much for joining me tonight. I, I really do appreciate you giving up some of your time. Now, I, I know you're in New York at the moment, is that right? That's correct, yeah. Yeah, and, and I believe very heavily involved with a performing arts workshop at the moment. My, uh, uh, yes, well, there's a, that's actually happened in North Carolina. I actually flew down there uh, on Monday to teach, but... Um, I'm doing a play right now, actually one of Simon Gray's uh, plays uh, called The Common Pursuit oh, wow. at, the, uh, roundabout, at the Roundabout Theatre Company, so I'm pretending to be British every night. <laughs> <laughs> That's <been> marvellous. <laughs> um, I, I saw yeah. the play, actually, probably about 20 years ago um, down in London. Uh, it was, oh, did you? Yeah, it was starring um, John Sessions and... Mm-hmm. I think Stephen Fry was in it. Um, uh, yeah. A, a scattering of scattering of British comedy actors. Uh, it was very good. Really enjoyed it. Are you having a good time? Yeah, I'm having a blast. It's been great. I've actually really come to like uh, Simon Gray's work. I know that they did Butley fairly recently with Dominic West out there, mm. uh, which I would have loved to have seen. Uh, I love him from The Wire, obviously. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, but I, yeah, I've been having a great, a great time doing it. So it's, uh, it's been wonderful. Oh, fantastic! Because it was um, the stage that you initially wanted to get involved with, wasn't it? Stage acting as opposed to screen. Yeah, I went. To, I'm from Philadelphia and went to uh, UCLA in Los Angeles to uh, to go for theater school. But it was after theater school, and the idea was always to try to maybe go out there and see if I could make some money in. TV or something, and then come back and do stage. And although that was my initial plan, and that is actually what ended up happening, there was about an 11-year span or more in the middle of that. So I just kept getting. I was fortunate that I kept working in LA, but uh, finally, last November, finally made the move here hmm. to attempt that. Okay. Um, um, what gave you the acting bug initially? You know, I think my my family. They I, they sent me to a, a, a theater camp when I was, I don't know, probably 12 or something, down in Philadelphia, and I really enjoyed that. It was fun, and 
I think also with <laughs> my dad always watched just tons of movies and he, he loved movies and I'm sure somewhere in there subconsciously it sort of got in my head that that looked like it'd be fun to do <laughs> um, I don't know I'm not sure I just we always would go and always loved going to the movies with him and watching films and uh, and then it was just something I ended up kind of doing I got into school for it as I said I went to UCLA and I enjoyed it but it wasn't really like a career choice I don't think until after college actually uh Okay. I, was a, I was a bit of a late bloomer to it, and then was very fortunate to uh, to get the work that I did. Okay. Um, which actors and actresses inspired you in those early days when you were watching films with with your dad? My dad, you know, well, I loved I loved uh, Paul Newman and Robert Redford because my dad loved. We used to watch The Sting and Butch Cassidy and mm. and. Uh, I don't know. Well, he, he loved Rob, he loved Robert Redford movies, so I watched a lot of those. <laughs> and I really enjoyed them. And of course, like I think any kid, you know, was obsessed with uh, Star Wars and Indiana Jones, and then the uh, Tim Burton Batman movie came out when I was younger, and that was that was great. And so I loved Michael Keaton after that point. And yeah. I was big, I think, into fantasy and that kind of stuff too. Willow was another big one of my favorites when I was younger. Yeah. Um, and then as I, I think if I, uh, I still, you know, Paul Newman, I, I have always you know, loved, and I think those were probably the earlier, those are probably the earliest, those two, it's, yeah, Paul Newman and Robert Redford, most likely. Mm, what a great double act. The, the Sting is one of my own favorites. I love that film. And Robert, oh, yeah. Yeah, and Robert Maybe. Shaw as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, and Robert, that's another from, you know, what I first saw in Jaws, I'm sure. Well, I should probably saw Sting first, and then didn't put it together. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I, yeah, I can remember the first time I watched The Sting, and the twist ending, obviously, no spoilers, but um, I didn't mm-hmm. see it coming, and uh, it floored me. <laughs> it, yeah, me too. Great, great stuff. I think uh, I think it's. I took my dad once to see The Usual Suspects. Um, speaking of twist endings, and mm. again, no spoilers, but <laughs> I was so bummed because about ten minutes into the movie, he leaned over and he pointed at the right person on the screen and said, "It's that guy." <laughs> <laughs> and then he was kind of robbed of all the yeah. Fear. Oh yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad to say, like like you, I was. Um, I, I didn't get it. I didn't see it coming. <laughs> <laughs> in the usual yeah. suspects and I was just wrapped up in the story and the performances and it was it's quite an actor's movie really because it's it's one of those that's full of it's got a great ensemble with some great performances absolutely I, I still watch I think I still watch movies that way I work with a lot of people especially who I'm working with now on stage who I feel like they, they have a difficult time going to a movie and just enjoying it often they, they tend to pick everything apart and I'm really, I'm thankful that I'm not that way. I, I can just, I can just get lost in it, which is great. Mm. Very thankful for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, you, you were saying that you went to UCLA, and uh, I guess mm-hmm. that must have been quite a, quite a tough thing, leaving your friends and family behind, and it, it's almost, um, it's it's a common, a common pursuit. Haha. Um, uh, <laughs> aspiring actors and actresses traveling to LA in, uh, in the hope that maybe um, they'll get a break uh, in, in the business and, um, and and you did eventually get your break didn't you on uh, 
on Committed for NBC. That's right. Yeah, that was it. Uh, I I had gone after UCLA. I was taking some various acting classes around. I was doing some commercials, uh, which allowed me to get into the union. Um, and then I went and did a play in the in the Fringe Festival in Edinburgh that a friend of mine had written. And uh, pretty much right after I got back from doing that, a few months later is when I got uh, committed. Yeah, which was kind of it was a, a, a gigantic leap because as I, I'd only done commercials and I'd maybe done three little small roles on TV shows here without a trace and Dragnet and something and once and again I, I had done them but they were you know five or five to ten lines each maybe and then I got this lead in this uh, multi-camera pilot uh, comedy show that I had never really done comedy before and strange somehow I that kind of just triggered <laughs> mm. this kind of wave of uh, that's pretty much all I did for the next number of years was just uh, I, get, I kept getting cast in comedies comedic roles which was wonderful to work but I don't know when you're kind of younger and have gone to a theater school that's very much about depressing Polish and Russian <laughs> expressionistic theater <laughs> you, you some part of you and other friends that you had gone to school with might feel like uh, you've sold out a little bit so I always had this chip on my shoulder about it about doing that even though it was so much fun I mean, you can't think of a, a, a better job to do than multi-camera it's just the most fun I've ever had shooting anything because you have an audience and rehearsals and all of that but you know um, and so I had been wanting for a long time to do drama and kept pressing all of my representatives to help me you know go into that area mm. um, but yeah it had been years of just a lot lots of comedy yeah which really I think where I am now you know not now that I'm older and really enjoy and appreciate that more and more especially after doing a play you know eight times a week where you go to these you know it covers 17 years and there's this you know gut-wrenching dramatic twists and turns to it so yeah so, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah um now obviously committed was um unfortunately short-lived wasn't it um and i guess mm -hmm. it's it's become par for the course with nbc it's a bit of a bugbear with one or two friends of mine uh across the pond who uh, get invested in nbc shows like prime suspects and uh yeah. and, then, and then it gets these shows get canned and it seems not for lack of quality but numbers and it, it's frustrating i'm sure to everybody concerned both viewers and people involved with the show I mean, was that tough coming down to earth with a bump after what you thought was your biggest break yeah I, I think um, I think fortunately for me I, I have partly a not I wouldn't say a business mind I'm not a smart business man I don't think but I, I have I, I'm, I have a good common sense and I guess that I Getting that job, I kind of knew there was a good chance it wouldn't last long. I was just really thankful to do what I had done with it. I think it becomes frustrating. And that one is still my one of my favorite shows that I've uh, ever ever done. And I really, my the writing on that was so great, and I think it would have just gotten better and better. So it was really sad to see that one go. But then I went into another one that was that last, lasted only 13 episodes, and then another one that lasted only 13 episodes, mm. and then two or three pilots that didn't go anywhere, and then 
And then I've only done one series that lasted a full season and that was canceled. So I seem to be very good at getting those. <laughs> but I think, sadly, it is it is kind of um, typical, as you said, of of, of, um, it's, of network television in general because it is uh, so much based on numbers and demographic and the advertising, what the advertisers are willing to pay. And uh, I think as a result, you know, I think they were hoping. I think they were surprised that Prime Suspect didn't do um, being, you know, a British import and yeah. their success with British imports. I'm I'm surprised that didn't last longer. But um, um, it is it is it is frustrating after I was <laughs> after you've done it a few times, it gets. I suppose I get a little pessimistic, kind of going, "Ah, eh, I don't think this will go." <laughs> mm. And then you can be pleasantly surprised if it does, but. Um, it is kind of frustrating, I think, especially for the writers who put so much, so much work and effort into creating and pitching it and rewriting it and selling it and hiring other writers and dealing with the network notes and staying on the course. And and then at the end, they just kind of abandon you. I feel mo- really bad for the creators of those shows who mm. just, they work so hard. For us, for actors, yeah, it's difficult because you do get invested, but you haven't invested nearly as much time as as the, the writers have. Yeah. And I guess you're left thinking, what if, or if only, if um, maybe some of these shows had been on cable networks, it might have been a different story. Um, and it, it's it's funny when it when it's, the last decade has been such a golden age for for television, for quality, quality really shows. Has, yeah. Um, but the, the, the bias has been very much towards the cable networks, hasn't it? Where there seems to be so much more creative freedom a much more tolerance of maybe below par numbers and a tendency to give shows a a good crack of the whip. Absolutely, absolutely right. I think um I know for certain cable networks, you know, the model for net for network television is you have to go through a studio that is working in part with a network and you have all of these network and studio executives who are to be quite honest, a lot of them just trying to prove that they're they should have their jobs. So they kind of throw out, you know, all sorts of notes and ideas, and a lot of times, not everyone, but there are certain people who, you know, a lot of these people in these positions haven't ever done anything creative in their lives, but they all of a sudden are in a position to tell writers what the writers should be doing, which is, seems a little backwards, and I'm sure that exists in cable as well, but I think there are less cooks in the kitchen for cable, I suppose, at least in certain examples. Um... I know that in, you know in, in certain certain cable uh, channels there are only several executives and there aren't isn't the whole studio network process just a few people saying yes or no and I think and because they don't have to really adhere to um, the sponsors and uh, and um, they're allowed to get a, get away more with content I think writers are given at least it seems to me writers are given more. Uh, free reign to kind of uh, create the stories that they love. Print, you know, I, one of my favorite shows is Breaking Bad, and I, oh. <laughs> I don't know how, I don't know exactly what kind of, uh, what kind of interplay they have with the, um, with AMC. But it seems that show is so tightly structured and so well done that I, I it just really seems like I, we just actually read an article about them in Wired magazine. They were talking about how the writer, the writer room, um, in the writers' room, they have puzzles all sorts of these puzzles they have, that the writers kind of work on and play mm-hmm. with. 
helps them define the structure and the plot of that show. And that just seems to be like a very creative process rather than an executive giving notes on what should happen. Yeah. I could be completely wrong. But yeah. <laughs> it seems that way to me. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's funny you mentioned Breaking Bad. It's 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 definitely one of my favourite shows of all time. And actually I've just just the last couple of weeks I've got my wife into it. And uh, and as a result, we've rewatched. We've done a marathon from season one. We've just tonight, actually, before I called you, we watched the season three finale and the season four oh. opener. So what a what a double bill that was. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, I, so. I'm upset because my wife is down in North Carolina at the Performing Arts Project, hmm. and she'll be there when it premieres on Sunday. And I'm kind of. <laughs> very frustrated <laughs> I told her I would wait for her to watch oh. her <laughs> you're going to have to stay offline to avoid any any spoilers oh. people will be talking uh, about no. it <laughs> oh. Oh, I love, love that show you make yourself into a monster so you no longer bear responsibility for what you do you don't think there are monsters in this world you don't believe people are evil you're listening to Dissecting Dexter. I'll show you evil. Let's move on to Dexter. I mean, just following on from what you were just saying about enjoying Breaking Bad, were you a fan of Dexter before you got the role? I was, absolutely. I uh, I really had enjoyed that show. I had watched it uh, religiously up until the end of season three, and then for some reason, I guess I moved and didn't have showtime. I didn't see the... the the Lithgow season, um, which is, you know, arguably most people's favorite. And mm. it wasn't, and I just sort of dropped off and watching it for some reason. And then when I got the job, I, uh, I met Matt Dash and watched, uh, well, I watched the Lithgow season and then the, the next, uh, the next season with, uh, Julia Stiles, and mm. uh, pretty much in a, in a week <laughs> to get <laughs> before I went and, uh, and, and started on the show. Uh, which was great, and I was glad to get back to the show. I really am. Hmm. Such a fun, such a fun premise and Definitely. interesting um, storytelling. Yeah, yeah, very original. Um, how did the role come about for you? Did you have to audition? Uh, strangely enough, I I didn't, which is one of those rare times when that happens. What had happened was I I knew um, Sean Dawson, who was the casting director for the show. I knew Sean. Um, for a few years, and he had always said he would, you know, he would call every once in a while, <laughs> saying, hey, "There's a, you know, there's a role, uh, um, you know, are you available to come in?" And for for some reason, I never was. Third season was he had called and asked if I could come audition for that, and I was working on something else, and so I couldn't. But there were two or three instances where something would come up, and he'd see if I was available, and for some reason, I never was. Luckily, as it turns out. And then when this role came up, I actually, my agents didn't tell me about it for a long time because they were dealing with uh, Sean, who was trying to, um, according to him, you know, he he had pitched the idea of me playing this role and ha- introduced the idea to Sarah Carlton, who's one of the uh, head producers of the show, mm. and some of the others. And apparently it had... Um, some people were on board. Are you, you never, on my side, on an actor's side, you never really know what is true and what is not true, what is actually being said and what is not being said. But according to them, everyone was seemed to be really excited about the idea and on board. Um, also, as it turned out, I was um, unable to actually audition for this either because of a film that I was doing and was 
not would not have been able to get back to have to read for it. And so I, you know, we basically kind of left it at that. And fortunately, they just offered it to me. Um, and when they did, I was obviously ecstatic. And um, then I asked Sean, I said, what's, they said, okay, well, we're offering you this role. And I said, great, I will take it. What's the role? And he said, well, we can't tell you. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> and, uh, and then I got on the phone with Scott Buck, who uh, is the showrunner now, was for last season and this season. And he he called and we had a brief uh, conversation where he basically, all he told me at the beginning was he said that Lewis was, um, I remember him saying, He'd be someone who would be very at home with the um, characters from uh, the social network. (laughs) (laughs) Sort of a very intelligent, uh, computer-minded whiz. uh, I don't even think I knew I was a successful video game developer at that point either. I think I was just a very smart guy with a computer who had probably grown up on the east coast and attended a really very you know a nice school and that's pretty much all they told me that i was i think i was also they also said i would be romantically involved with someone another new character on the show but that's pretty much all i knew when we started okay so very brief brief (laughs) yeah 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 and I've, i've come to know as i'm sure you've heard from other people you've spoken to that that's sort of the way that it it runs on that show. People, you know, a lot of the cast, they show up wondering if they're going to be killed at any particular time at every table. They don't, they don't let much information out. And um, oftentimes, even the, uh, many of the directors that come in, they're, they're not necessarily told what the arc of the season is either. It's, so it's, uh, it's kind of a strange place to work in, in that sense where you're sort of in this vacuum where you kind of take the information you have and make and do the best you can with it knowing that it's quite possible that next week they'll give you a script and you go oh I'm an alien I didn't realize that okay <laughs> well good <laughs> yeah it, it makes it a bit tricky for you as an actor in a, in a way doesn't it because you're not quite sure how to pitch your performance are you supposed you know, to play it with a, a touch of darkness or, or what <laughs> yeah you know in, in some in, it's actually it's sort of both it goes both ways it in some ways, you look at it and go, "Gosh, I, I would love to know because I feel like I could, I could map it out better." But on, other, on the other hand, you kind of say, "Well, you know, this has been a, a great show, and these are fantastic writers, and in a way, it's very freeing that they give you a script, and your only job is to really do the actions in that script to the best of your knowledge at that time, and you have to trust that they're going to take care of you, and trust that if you are doing something on set that is." questionable to what's coming that someone will speak up and say uh no don't do that but mm, yeah. i had not had that uh, had not had that experience actually it wasn't until a scene uh that actually there, there were some there were some scenes that were cut out last season I, they, they actually cut a lot of stuff and Dexter, I, I noticed in the scripts um okay. usually not entire scenes but they trim the heck out of the show um and uh but there were entire scenes missing actually from that we had shot for Lewis last year um, and uh, had to do with what they were going to do with the character overall and, and what, what they were aiming towards uh, this season. And they decided to, you know, change some, some things up. And uh, But it wasn't until one of these scenes we were about to shoot where 
I had to call, I actually called Scott and said, hey, uh, you know, we're doing this scene here. It's this um, sort of a sex scene mm. with um, with uh, Amy, yeah. uh, of which you saw part of in the um, in the season last year. It's the, it's the first time where you see re- it reveals something that I have in my apartment. Yes, and, uh, <laughs> quite a turning and it's point. Just, uh, that was a longer scene initially. There was a... a, a and with a conversation with Batista, actually, on the phone that Amy was having. And um, there was something that happened in the scene that was just seemed very the, the, seemed strange to me, and I had to call Scott, and I, I said, what what exactly, you know, do you, you want to tell me what's going on with this guy? Because <laughs> it seems like maybe I need to know now. And he went, oh, yeah, uh, yeah all right, I guess we can tell you now. <laughs> but it was... You know, it's just, it's a, it is a very, it's kind of a, at once, you kind of do wish as an actor you could, you knew all the information. But on the other hand, like I said, it's sort of like, well, this is fun, we'll just dive right in and see what happens. Yeah. And I guess if you're a fan of the show, as, as, as you have been, that, um, you know, it's nice to have an element of surprise while you're working on the show. It's nice to be surprised at the same time. It is. It absolutely is. Um, mm. I mean... It's it's funny, you know. I get I end up getting surprised at the table reads, you know, or, yeah. or I, well, I guess when the script gets sent to me. Uh, I remember in the last season, I was I was the one I uh, I figured out the big twist <laughs> about two or three scripts before it happened, mm. and I went to uh, David Zayas actually, who I get along with very well. I like David a lot. I know you interviewed him uh, yes. a while ago. Yes. He's a great guy. And yeah. I, I went to him and I said, you know, I said, I think I know what it is. It's 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 this. And he goes, he said, no, you're, no, you're crazy. <laughs> I said, I'm telling you. And he said, why? I said, well, because of all these reasons. You never see him do this. You never see this. You never. And he went, no, nah, you're nuts. And then by the end of the day, he came back to me and was, you know, I think you're right. I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> he's, been, he's been thinking about it all day and asking everybody. <laughs> yeah. It's, it was one of those things where once it was revealed, you could look back on what had gone before and think, oh, yeah, there was that, and then there was that, and then there was that bit. Uh, and I must admit, um, one of our listeners um, called it before I'd heard heard the uh, the twist anywhere else. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, one of my listeners, uh, Travis, who is one, one of our regular contributors, and uh, kudos to him because he... He aroused his aroused his suspicions before anybody else. <laughs> um, yeah. And then once he suggested it, I thought, mm, yeah, it could be. Um, but I, th- I did see an online survey after the twist was revealed. Um, did you see the twist coming or not? Did you guess? And it was split pretty much 50-50. Uh, so, yeah, I guess it, it worked for quite a proportion of the audience. Um but it was it was fun. It was fun. It gave us something to debate <laughs> for quite a few episodes. Yeah. It was it was a regular fixture on the podcast. It, uh, is is he or isn't he? Um, and we went we went round the houses and back again. <laughs> this is the Dissecting Dexter podcast. I am a father, a son, a serial. So, so obviously you you had no idea where your character was heading and, and 
quite a few listeners emailed me before when I announced that I was going to be chatting to you. Um, it was it was the most popular question, uh, wanting to know if you had any clue where Lewis was heading, um, and obviously you didn't. Um, and yeah. actually, Lewis was the, the was one of the highlights of the season for quite a lot of viewers, myself included, because. Um, Oh, it was it was a slow burn of a slow burn of a storyline. Here was this guest uh, guest star uh, character, um, seemingly just a, just an ordinary computer geek, I guess, um, and um, it kind of emerged as as one of the more intriguing or one of the most intriguing aspects of the entire season. And uh, credit to your performance as well, of course, uh, sort of drawing us in and lulling us into a false sense of security and then wham look what he's got on his shelf <laughs> um oh, so well thank you yeah it was uh it was good i mean i guess that was the turning point that was the turning point for you was it for the season when you you mentioned the uh, the sequence there in in lewis's apartment and you had to mm-hmm. contact um scott buck uh i guess it was the reveal of the um that the hand on the shelf was it that you saw in the script and you thought whoa <laughs> was that it was that the turning point when you yeah, realized it, there was it, more going on yeah i mean it, it was i was glad to see that and then there, uh, there was more going on but even then they still they were still very hesitant to even to say what what that was a, what that was about and what it meant and honestly i don't know if it's because they weren't sure where they were going or they were sure and they just are very secretive that way I know that last year I'm pretty sure that I think I, I could be very wrong about this but I don't think Colin Hanks knew the twist even in that last season I don't think they told him until like the episode before or something so they they are very secretive um, about those things um, um and so yes, I, I did. A, I wanted to know about that, and I, at the same time, I, but uh, again, the other side of the coin was I saw that and I thought, okay, well, they have an idea where they're going. I'm just going to keep going with it. And then when the video game came up, and then the whole situation where I asked for his advice happens, it was clear there was a, a, a dark turn there, and there was um, there was another thing. There, as I said, there were there were a couple of things cut out of the script um, that were even a little more pointed more towards where. You know, maybe some stuff was wrong with, with Lewis, which was eventually taken out. And I think, uh, I think it's because they wanted to keep keep him sort of mysterious and ambiguous as to what was going on with him and what he was what he was up to. Um, so, but yeah, it, it is. <laughs> it, it does go back to that same thing of kind of going, well, I guess I'm just gonna trust <laughs> that they know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. I mean, even even with that reveal of, of Lewis being in possession of the hand um, I guess even at that point we still as viewers didn't know whether that was the end of it whether he was just a collector of he just had a maybe an unhealthy interest in morbid um, uh, what's what's the phrase and what's the word I'm looking for sort of souvenirs of, of serial killers yeah. and, and famous murders I mean that Obviously, I'm not going to <laughs> ask you to revit, confirm or deny, but it, it seemed that that po- possibly could be the extent of it. And then, of course, later in the season, we, we see him mail the bloody thing to, <laughs> to Dexter. Um, and of course, we've not seen that. We've not seen Dexter notice the hand yet. Of course, it was it was Colin Hanks' character that um, 
that discovered it in Dex's apartment, much to his bemusement. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But that sort of took it, took this quote-unquote obsession to um, to a whole new level. Um, obviously, it's, it, you know, it may be difficult to get your opinion on on this now. You know at least a chunk of what's coming up in the new season, and obviously, you know, I don't expect you to give anything away. But can you remember what your take was on Lewis Green? when you finished last season? What was your when opinion? Fi- when I finished it um, last season, my my take on it was, was really just that, uh, from my perspective, was someone who was disturbed in some way. Um, not necessarily, not necessarily someone who is, uh, you know, in, in the classic... Dexter Cannon, a like a murdering, disturbed person. You know, not mm. someone who is <laughs> I- insane in that way, or maybe capable of that capacity. But someone who, I just, I, I remember when I read that scene about the video game and asking his advice, and when he shuts me down, even though it was something that I had worked on for so long, and they had set up the fact that it was a video game it was very important to me. And I remember thinking, it seems a little. It seems a little, just seems odd that it means that much to him for this reason. I just, I couldn't quite grasp, get my head around what, what that, why that was such an important thing. Um, and so I felt that the only way to make that make sense to me and, and was to to have it be that it was just, you know, someone who could idolize somebody or have hold someone in such high regard after not knowing them that horribly long. But become attached to them in such a in such a one sided clearly one sided and um, intense way for a simple rejection like that. There's got to be some kind of disturbed quality about someone who who can't face a rejection of that nature mm-hmm. without having some you know deep seated trouble with it. But um, I yeah, but but I remember also thinking it wasn't enough to. I wasn't sure I was going to head into that direction of like, oh well, this is this is the big bad guy next season or something. <laughs> like, I remember thinking, well, I remember hoping as a fan of the show, I was really excited about the possibility. <laughs> but I remember at the end of last season going, uh, no, I don't, I don't know, I don't know, I don't think this is quite enough. But um, yeah. I knew there was there. Yeah. And I guess as an actor, you'd be excited because you think clearly this means. You, you're going to be coming back <laughs> to well, continue that was, that the story. Was part of it too. I, <laughs> part of it too. I think I was also concerned with. Uh, I remember getting the last script going. Ah, oh, good, good. I'm all right. Good. I'm alive. Still breathing. Yeah. <laughs> um, just going back to what you were saying there about Lewis's um, uh, sort of state of mind one of the listener questions from uh, Mike Herkham uh, asked how would you describe the way Lewis felt about Dexter in season 6 because clearly he he seemed to latch on to him for some reason now on the face of it maybe it was because quite obviously Dexter's really good at his job um, but we were wondering whether maybe there was a bit more to it did did Lewis have a bit more knowledge about Dexter than we saw in the show um, there was the business with the uh, the search engine and uh, one theory the search engine that, that Lewis pointed Dexter to use um, and one theory was that Lewis had 
designed this website and was maybe gathering information on what Dexter was looking for. Um, and that sort of um, tied in with his own pre-existing interest in serial killers. Um, but well, so going back to the question, how do you think Lewis felt about Dexter? Was it jealousy or fascination? Uh, was he just a fan of Dexter? Or is there something darker, some vengeance? Or did he just enjoy tormenting him? Well, you know, it is... Um yeah, it is a difficult question because you know, you know with a, uh, any, any kind of, it'd be very delicate with any kind of answer sort of maybe points towards what's going to happen or what, mm, what okay. isn't going, or what isn't going to happen. You know what I mean? But what yeah. I would say, I think that, um, I think that while, while doing it, like in the, in the midst of it and getting the scripts and just trying to focus on it was, uh, focus on how it should be played. I, I, again, that was another, that was another uh, element of uh, why, you know, Lewis would be so, uh, you know, latch onto this person as you put it so so intensely in such a short amount of time, and and it's clearly not ever stated in last season, and um, it may or may not be this season actually, but uh, I think that uh, there's this just. I don't know. In looking at people, in the kind of people that I have met, who are, I have you know certain friends and uh, who uh, were you know computer geniuses, but a little bit reclusive, and uh, or, or, or in some way there was something about their their character that would it led. Um, they had an element of um, I wouldn't say I don't mean obsession, but this, this element of just an. an an intensity to the things that they do. If they if they like someone, they really really like them and latch onto them until and they're they're their best friend until that person does one thing wrong and then they're their worst enemy. And it's just sort of these extremes of this kind of bipolar extreme. And I think that seeing, I think there's there's an element of admiring Dexter as someone who perhaps from from what I've seen of him wish that I could be, or, you know, Lewis wishes he could be, hmm. um, and is, you know, maybe, and I, and I don't mean this in a kind of romantic way, but I feel like there's also some kind of a intrinsic kind of attraction that can't, and I, and I really, and I, and I truly don't mean that in the kind of, like, you know, I'm in love with him kind of hmm. way, but I think no. there's this kind of obsession, a, a weird, a, a weird obsession where, where I'm, I don't know, just sort of that, if you've ever become, you've met someone new and you become friends with them and they just all of a sudden are the, the greatest person in the world and you just kind of, gosh, they're so great. I want to spend, you know, what are they doing? I want to go, I want to, what are, music to listen to? Where do they go and eat? Let's hang out with them all the time. <laughs> like, yeah. I think it's that, but blown up a whole lot more and a little more, uh, and, you know, in addition to that, the fact that Lewis is not the most... <laughs> Um, graceful person, I don't think. I think he's a little awkward and, and shy. Yeah. Um, there's a warring personality going on in him. Um, yeah. I guess. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's difficult to, to kind of go into that because I don't want to tip anything off. Of course. Of <laughs> or, course. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't ask you or, or, or want you to. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but the phrase "hero worship" sprang to mind as you were talking there. That. Um, that Dexter is this such a, such a 
such an interesting character. I think if, if if he was a real person, I think he would. I think people would be strangely drawn to him and fascinated by him because he is brilliant at his job, but he's so modest and kind of almost nonchalant about his ability. And uh, I, mm-hmm. I guess it, I guess it appealed to to Lewis and, and drew him to him. And clearly, over that video game, Dex's approval meant everything to him. It meant more than a date with um, Batista's sister. Um, because he threw yeah. a right strop, didn't he? And you know, I feel in, in speaking about that, you know, I, I feel like. Uh, with a history of someone, you know, I, I always felt like Lewis is not a, a tough person. Lewis is, you know, w- with um, with a background of, you know, being this computer programmer, developer, and and all of this. He's probably someone who was maybe not the most, you know, physical or active. Um, he seems to be, you know, very wealthy now, but probably always admired people with this sort of kind of quiet, intrinsic strength to them something that, that Lewis, I think, always lacked. And so I do feel that, yes, Dexter, as a character, there is some kind of gravitational pull to him. Um, there's a quietness, you know, about him that I think that Lewis just sort of senses and is drawn to for, you know, just from a lifetime of kind of seeking out those kind of people or, or recognizing in others strengths that he wish he had, you know? Mm. Yeah. Does that make any sense? Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Yeah, it does. This is the Dissecting Dexter podcast. It doesn't matter what I do. Born in blood. Both of us. So did you... uh, Trying to gauge your your feelings for the character uh, from a season six perspective. Um, by the end, as we, as we joked, you, you were relieved that your character was still uh, breathing by the end of the season. Um, so clearly your, your story was likely to continue to the next season. Um, were you quietly hoping, again, not, not to expect you to give anything away, but your feelings at the time, were, were you quietly hoping that Lewis would become a full-blown bad guy next season? Because I, I know a lot of actors say playing bad guys is far more fun than playing good guys. <laughs> it is. And I, and I was absolutely open for that. And I think, you know, I, 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 I absolutely was looking for that. And I, and I thought, actually, when I first, when they first told me who the character was, as a, as a fan of the show, Something that always drove me crazy about it uh, was the fact that, and you, you mentioned earlier, one of your one of your listeners asked this question, was that Dexter is always doing all, all of his research on this computer that's just there, hmm. and you know it's got to be logged somewhere. <laughs> like <laughs> someone eventually was going to figure out, like, geez, all these people that have gone missing seem to have looked up looked up from one computer. <laughs> Yeah. I always seemed very strange to me that that was happening, and I was—I I, was—I kind of had written it off as a conceit of the world that that's just something that we're going to have to buy yeah. that no one ever bothers to look at. <laughs> yeah. And so I had—I, you know, at the end of season six, I remember thinking, and and actually specifically when that one script was written, where I say go to this website, my thought at the time was, oh, okay, so. I'm going to start getting at him through this 
angle. I'm going to discover some stuff about him through this angle, you know, because I was trying to guess along with everyone else and mm. <laughs> as, we were, as we were shooting yeah. what was going on. And yes, my hope was, absolutely my hope was that I was going to be this villain, villainous person. But um, what I liked about, what I was excited about, again, we're talking about the end of season six, what I was excited about the prospect of was being a villain unlike any of the other villains from the other season, which is someone who maybe didn't know what he was doing. And also, as I said, maybe not even a murderer, but just doing something, a very different, scared kind of a person, you know? Mm. Someone who, who, you know, I, I wasn't sure. But my actor brain was, was very excited because I wasn't <laughs> sure what I was going to be able to do and play. And I, I just kept thinking, again, as a fan of the show, going, this is a really exciting. I have a chance to maybe be a, a you know, a really great character on a show that I've always loved and, you know, what could I do to make it the most interesting? And uh, so I was really excited about that, yes. Yeah. Um, uh, um, for me, personally, the, it's the, the Lewis storyline is one of the two um, big things that I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, exploring more in the new season. Uh, and obviously you can guess what the other big thing is. Um, yeah. And that <laughs> um, now that that final scene of season six I, I've got to ask you again as, just say again that you're, you're a fan of the show already um, what, what was your reaction to that when you um, discovered how the season was going to end well that's the thing I didn't discover they didn't uh, that wasn't in the script so that only aired they uh, there was no I, I figured it I sort of guessed because the way the script ended was you know Michael Kills him, hmm. and then it just—he had some little, you know, Dexter speech about, you know, some little like a little couplet about, you know, something, and then it ended. And I kind of thinking, oh, that's pretty anticlimactic. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I thought it's a little strange. And so then when it aired, and that was the ending, I kind of went, oh, okay. But I was I was surprised because I know they had signed a deal to do two more seasons, and I remember thinking, that's. I wasn't sure what that sto- where the story was going to go from there, how you support it over two seasons of if she's discovered this and then you're going, you know, again, not knowing what I know now, but mm. knowing then when it aired, saying, how do you take it from a place where she knows who she is? What's the storyline over the next 26 episodes? Yeah. You know, like that's 26 episodes of how do you, you know, I, I had I had imagined that perhaps the, I had a friend who said, "Who said, well, I think it's, you know, he'll get, you know, he'll be caught by the end. He'll be caught by the last season, and the last season will be the fallout or something." And I thought that was interesting, but I still wasn't sure how that, uh, you know, how they're going to suspend that that kind of. I mean, that was that's the big that's the big twist everyone's been waiting for for yeah. the entire series, yeah. and then you drop it with two seasons to go, and I was really uh, interested to see what they were going to do with it. Yeah, I, I liked how it, it it pretty much came out of left field, because as, as you as you say, uh, we knew that two seasons were still to come, and, and I didn't expect yeah. them to pull the trigger on this um, this massive game changer of a twist uh, quite so soon. I thought it would be a, a final season happening. Um, Me too. But, Me but too. no, that's why they did it. I mean, it makes it all the more fascinating because we're thinking, oh, well, how? Where are they going to go from here? What are they going to do with this? Now, Deb knows something. Um, 
she's seen Dexter make this kill but more importantly a ritualistic kill which it's not like just a sort of self-defense oh he came at me with a knife and I had to get him it was him or me sort of thing Dexter could have wriggled out of that one but I don't know (laughs) I I, I can't wait till uh, till I see it and, and find out find out what happens you're listening to dissecting dexter email your feedback to dissecting dexter at gmail.com blood sometimes it sets my teeth on edge now obviously we, we just alluded to to how the series might end well, as a fan of the show what what's your hope for the eventual finale of, of the whole show. What would you like you know, to see? You uh, know, this friend of mine who I mentioned, when he, he was a big, he's a big kind of show. When I got, when I told him I was going to be on it, you know, he had been talking to me about, you know, his theories and everything. And he's one of these, this happens a lot where people will come up and they'll say, oh my gosh, what's going to happen with your character next year? And I'll say, well, as if to say, well, I can't tell you. And I'll say, well, and they'll go, wait, wait, don't tell me. <laughs> so that's sort of uh, that's sort of the, what he does to me on a, on a normal basis is listen here's what I think is going to happen on the show but don't tell me if I'm right I don't want to know um, so all I can say as a fan of it and uh, really I, I truly have no idea where uh, it is going to go this is pure hypothesis but I liked his analysis which was I think it'd be fascinating if he is caught in the last season as sort of the fallout of that uh, and I really, I can't figure out where I, i really not sure where I want him to end up. You know, part of you wants him to get away, but part of you wants to see just, I don't know, the, the kind of the tragedy of if he's caught. Mm. I don't know. Um, mm. I, think, I think from a psychological point of view, from a character point of view, it's way more interesting if he is actually caught and there's, you know, imprisoned and this kind of stuff. But I think, you know, from a viewer's point of view, it's much more satisfying if he gets away. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. But I think whatever it is, it's, gonna, it's gotta come down to some kind of, the, you know, the most tense kind of, uh, uh, manhunt yet on the show. I think it's gotta be that, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the, Dexter has, as a character, he's, he's been on this amazing, personal journey over the seasons and experiencing different things and, and he's set himself this quest of quote unquote becoming human or becoming normal and uh, he's discovered more and more things about himself as he's gone along and I guess as a character journey a conclusion might be that perhaps he acknowledges that he might have reached that goal however I don't think that would have the sort of dramatic impact that um, a show like this would demand. Um, so I, I think um, something much more exciting for the viewers, maybe a mixture of the two, uh, that he acknowledges where he, where his character, where his personal um, journey has brought him, uh, his his humanity, um, coupled with uh, with a manhunt. You saying that makes me wonder if maybe they'll have a sort of a a uh, taxi driver sort of ending where he's sort of given it up and he seems to be adjusted and you know and there's that flash in the rearview mirror. <laughs> mm. You know, you know what I mean. There's that one yeah. glint of 
is it really done or is it not? You know. Yeah. I could see that that kind of a uh, that kind of ending as well. But yeah, I think you're I think you're you're right. The the journey of the character uh, has he reached his goal or not? Um, yeah. I think whatever happens, the final shot will be Dexter looking to camera, looking straight down the lens <laughs> at the audience. I. I agree. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely agree. That'll be it. Maybe with maybe with the familiar bing. <laughs> He's either on a boat, <laughs> yeah, on a beach, or in a cell. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Um, let's let's um, before we uh, sort of wrap things up, just go through a, f- a few listener questions, uh, if that's okay. Sure. I don't know how much time you've got. Are, are you all right for a little bit longer? Yeah, I think I might have to start to... I'm on my cell phone, but I can start... I'm going to start walking to the theater in a few minutes, but, uh, but I'm good. What's okay. cell phone for? Um, <laughs> again, I feel bad because I don't know what I can answer and you know, how, how, how much I can actually answer. So. Okay, well, well, a lot of these questions are, are, bro- are more broad. Um, uh, Joan McMullen from Atlanta asks, what's the chemistry like uh, amongst the cast and crew on set? Oh, I can answer that one. It's really <laughs> great. Everyone's really friendly. I think uh, um, Jennifer and David are two of my my favorite. They're they're so sweet and uh, we're very welcoming when I came to set. Uh, Michael's a great guy uh, who, as you might imagine, I think he sort of he kind of keeps to himself uh, a lot. I think he's also a producer on the show, and I think playing that role's got a. <laughs> I think he sort of stays in the zone, you know. Um, Offset, uh, I've seen him a few times, and he's a he's a, he's a much much you know not much changed, but he's different. He's a little kind of lighter. So I think he kind of there's always a part of him when he's working that's sort of checked in, you know. Mm. Um, but the crew is great. They've uh, most of them have worked together on the show for pretty much the entire time. Um, it's a very well run production. It's just so smoothly done. Um, <laughs> Sometimes that uh, sometimes at you know four a.m. on Saturdays, uh, some people might disagree. Smoothly <laughs> yeah. run. Yeah. <laughs> every once yeah. in a while, every once in a while they have they have a like, you know there's so many location problems and issues they have with this show and that uh, everything runs out. But yeah, everyone's great. Uh, very fun, relaxed set. It's very good. It's yeah. Good yeah. Um, Joan also asks whether you had a favorite scene from last season not necessarily one featuring Lewis oh from last season um I think I I really liked actually I really liked a lot of Jen's scenes with the psychologist mm. I thought she did some great work in those scenes uh really nice just really just some really good solid acting I guess from that point of view from a story point of view I think I, from, yeah, from a, story, from a story point of view, I love, <laughs> you know what, actually, there's one little bit I love, which is, uh, there's this one moment when Travis goes to the uh, the two, his sort of, you know, disciples' houses, mm. the, house, the house he goes to with yeah. the married couple, yeah. and there's a great line, I, lo- I was there that night when they shot it, and it was, so funny where he, he meets them he goes inside they go to sit down and Travis asks him some question and the wife says well you know Steve's been out of work and there's this one more where this, the guy looks at her 
like, why would you say that in front of in front of our hero? And this is really funny, like husband and wife moment. It's like, what are you doing? You're embarrassing me. Yeah, I always thought that was a great little little moment in there. Yeah, uh, it's it's often those little subtle things that really add add to a show and make it so much more layered, give it a lot more depth. Oh, yeah. I, I love little things Absolutely. like that. Yeah, you mentioned there about. Um, Deb scenes with a psychologist. I I did enjoy the deconstruction of her character last season. Um, what was your feeling about the turn uh, of her character, acknowledging that maybe she's in love with Dexter? What was my feeling of it? Yeah, yeah. Did you feel it was an organic? Uh, I, I guess you, you might need to be careful what what you say as you're still working on the show. I appreciate that. Well, from, um, well, you know, from my, I'll tell you what I thought at the end of last, what I thought when it was coming up in the show. And this is partly why I thought they were going to do the reveal that she knew. My thought was that it was all a setup to make her stakes, her involvement and investment, that much more devastating when she finds out who he, what he is. I, I thought, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. I really, I really don't know. So I'm not, I don't feel like I'm, hmm. I, I truly don't know what, what, what uh, that, that part of the storyline, what's going on there. So I, I feel, yeah, I'm not giving anything away because yeah. I have nothing to give away. But, uh, but I really, I felt like it was all a big design on the writer's part to make her discovery of what he is that much more painful. Yeah. Um, I didn't think it was actually going to be a true love story kind of a thing. That she truly, you know, that, I, I think it was. Um, that, that was my that was my feeling about it. I didn't. I wasn't necessarily following it, looking at it like this is, uh, you know, a storyline that's going to continue. I could yeah. be wrong about that, but yeah. at the time, what, at, that, at that time, that's what I thought. Hmm. Okay. Um. Another quick question from uh, it was on Twitter from at DarklyDexter.com who asks whether Lewis had if there was any connection between him and uh, Bria Grant's character Ryan Chambers last season. Or was that completely random that he just happened to buy the hand from her? Oh yes, right. Um, no, my knowledge, no. Yeah. There was no uh, no connection. I know that when I was when I was cast, they were hoping. It was because of this conflict, this other thing that I was doing. I uh, they were hoping to kind of have me in those intern scenes um, from the beginning, um, hmm. and I, I know that was this. Uh, they did tell me that they said that they, they had wanted me to be the third intern. They were trying to set it up as this kind of recurring bit where there's like you know an intern every once in a while it gets fired and. Yeah. Sort of slip my character in that way, where people would go, "Oh, here's the next intern." It never think that I become a part of the show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't believe uh, there was any connection there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. That was one theory that was banded about last year that maybe the two might be in cahoots, uh, maybe have some relationship to Brian Moser, uh, and that's how Lewis knows about Dexter. Um, yeah, I had Dexter. heard that at one point. I had heard that uh, there were some theories flying around about me maybe being his son or something. Mm. Something told me that. Um, which, yeah, it's interesting. I was yeah. wondering how that would sort of work. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, have you read any of the Dexter books? 
you know, actually, I hadn't run into that sort of. Uh, okay. I, I, I feel uh, guilty. <laughs> it happened. No. <laughs> Well, you, you, you and me both. I've I've never read them. Uh, I had a question from Sophie Wilson in England that was connected to the books, um, but I guess you, you won't know which character she's talking about. <laughs> well, I think. Let me, let me guess. Is this something to do with Double Dexter? Um, it's to do with a character called Brandon Weiss. Weiss. Mm, I don't know. Oh, I know. My, see, I, I never read reviews or anything about anything that I do. But okay. my wife has gone on and looks at um, she looks at these message boards and everything, and she said there was like one of the books was called Double Dexter, I guess, in which there is a copycat uh, killer who is uh, kind of, um, I, I, from my understanding, it was a copycat killer who was sort of. Uh, performing these murders he I think knew who Dexter was and was laying out these crime scenes uh, along the lines of how Dexter was did his crime scenes yeah. uh, I think and there there were I my wife had told me there was some speculation on that kind of going around but um, um, which I you know is, is a really interesting interesting uh, idea yeah. but um, again probably shouldn't <laughs> talk about it yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, a, a quickie from uh, listener Travis Shefflin, who I mentioned earlier had the theory um, uh, early on about the big twist, the mid-season twist about Geller. Um, he just quickly asked, how old is Lewis meant to be, the character? Uh, right, right, right around my age, about yeah. 30. Oh, okay. Because he, he was suggesting that maybe uh, as an intern he might be a recent college graduate and might be a, a younger guy. Although we did comment you're a very good-looking guy, so uh, there you go. You've got a, you've got, you've got a fan in Travis. <laughs> I think, <laughs> no, I think uh, yeah, I, unless I've forgotten, I, I remember the character is supposed to be approximately, I mean, you know, 20, 27 to 30 in that yeah. range, uh, okay. initially was what they had told me. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, if I remember properly. Okay. Um, but yeah, not, not, a, not a fresh out of college Yeah. Guy. Um. Last listener question comes from Matt Cook from Kansas, who just asks your feelings on uh, a show that portrays a serial killer as a hero that that we root for. <laughs> <laughs> big, it's kind of a big subject, I guess. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's often brought up. I, uh, I've heard that sort of before. Mm. I, uh, I think it's. I think that's sort of the fascinating question, actually, about it is that. <laughs> I think that's part of the interest, interesting and the, the appeal of the show is what does it say about our society that does root for a show for a guy who is a, a killer, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think I think that's part of the fun of it. And if you look a lot at a lot of television, you know, in Breaking Bad, how are, you know, they they do a fascinating job of having rooting for this guy, and now you're kind of going, well, I don't know <laughs> what's going yeah. on there. But I think they might be the only show I can ever think of that's... that's uh, Managed to have the kind of proper moral compass of what you should feel and what you shouldn't feel sometimes. Yeah. But um, this, but I think that's part of the what this whole show is. I think it's it's kind of brilliant in the way it's almost a satire. I think in a way of our of our society and our society's feelings about crime. If you look at you know all the the endless law and orders and CSIs and NCISs and other letters that go together in a row. Uh, they're all it's just, uh, we're obsessed with crime and murder in this country, um, and I, 
I think Dexter does a really interesting job of sort of telling, you know, you know, the fact that that, that question was even asked, I think, is doing, it's sort of doing the right thing, which is sort of going, how do you really feel about all this? How do you really feel about our obsession with murder and the fact that we, we like this guy who's a killer? Mm. Of course, on the other, outside of the more social, you know, the social, uh, sociological, behavioral side of things, then you kind of go, well, he is sort of like a, the ultimate real-life dark superhero, you know? Yeah. Taking care of those who are, you know, causing real pain, and then you kind of wonder, well, <laughs> he's only... Yeah. He's yeah. only killing the bad ones, right? But then yeah. again, that brings you right back around to that moral question of, but he is killing. And uh, <laughs> I think, I think um, that is an, uh, I think that's an argument that'll probably be seen more, I imagine, or brought into sharper focus. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, so it, uh, I think it's kind of, I think it's kind of great actually to answer the question. I think it's kind of great to. <laughs> The fact that, that that question has been asked, I think, in the show is accomplishing yeah, part of what I maybe was meant to do. I don't know. I'm not sure what the original design of it was, but I've always thought that was an interesting aspect of it. Mm. It's a fascinating um, aspect of the show to discuss and, and morally challenging. Um, exactly. Yeah. Well, um, thanks very much. Josh, uh, just before we uh, we go, is there anything uh, coming up project-wise that you'd like to mention to the listeners? Uh, well, no, just just doing this play, and and uh, I'll be ending July 29th, and that's uh, that's kind of it at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. I yeah. did read that there's a um, pilot coming up. There's yes, yes. Well, actually, yeah, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if that was out yet. I guess it is. But I'm gonna. I am <laughs> going. I am going to go and do uh, a, another a sitcom, actually, as I was talking about earlier, for uh, TV Land called Brothers-in-Law, but who knows if that'll go or not. <laughs> we hope yeah. it will. Oh, okay. Okay, so fun. it's not but been... Um, so you don't know when shooting's going to start at, at all Well, yet. we're only doing... Uh, we're doing the pilot in August, but okay. after that, we're not really sure when it would... Uh, if it gets picked up, when it would start. Not really... That's not uh, solid yet. Yeah. But that- um, there's... But that's um, that's what's on the books. But it, yeah, I wasn't wasn't quite sure. Yeah, so, I'm, I'm surprised it's even out there in the world yet. Things move very quickly. <laughs> yeah, it's a great show. There's two great writers, uh, William uh, William Martin and Mike Schiff. Uh, they're really great. So uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Very good. Well, good luck with that, and and good luck with the play. Thanks again very much for being so generous with your time. Uh, it's been brilliant. Oh, my pleasure. It's really, it's really nice of you to, uh, to ask. It's, it's been brilliant uh, to you. chat to you, and um, I'm sure the listeners will be fascinated to have learned uh, more about you and to hear your take on your character in the show. And uh, I'd better let you uh, get to the theatre. <laughs> yeah, off I go. Got a show in 45 minutes. Okay, I'll, I'll let you run. <laughs> okay, Josh. All right. uh, Take care. Thanks very much again. You too. Thanks. Bye for now. Bye.